Today is Thursday, September 22nd, 2022. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. Vanderbilt's transgender clinic is under fire after a series of viral videos. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. If you agree with that mission, you want to see more of your values represented in the media, subscribe to this podcast. Hang out with us every day. We would love to have you with us as we go through the news of the Cray each and every day. And joining me as always, Trey Gons Phillips. And well, I think Billy Hallowell is going to be here. I know last I heard he was cleaning up his kids spilling things all over his house. So, I mean, that's just, that's the way it goes sometimes, right, Billy? Yeah, you got to scrub epoxy out of your carpet sometimes. <laughs> that's what you have to do when you have kids, you know, clean paint, orange paint from your carpets, you know. Things you never thought, chemicals and combinations you never thought possible. You find yourself an expert in as a parent. It's very true. So you do, you do. Happy. Uh, I'm looking forward to the day. Yeah, Friday, Junior. It is Friday, Junior. So um, as always, one of our favorite days because Friday is almost here. Coming up on the podcast today, guys, Kathy Lee Gifford. She brought forgiveness to a divisive and really an emotional issue. And so very thought provoking stuff there. We'll go through. Also on the main thing, as I said at the top, we're gonna dive into this transgender clinic that's under fire over a series of viral videos some serious questions being raised there but first we're going to go through the news in 90 seconds yesterday new york attorney general letitia james filed a civil lawsuit against former president donald trump citing fraud and misrepresentation of assets she claimed the trump organization wrongfully prepared trump's annual financial statements from a 10-year period between 2011-2021, it also names Trump's sons, Donald Trump Jr. and Eric Trump and his daughter Ivanka Trump as defendants. Trump uh, called the allegations baseless. James was seen on a video back in November 2018. She said she would sue Trump. Take a listen. Will you sue him for us? Oh, we're going to definitely sue him. We're going to be a real pain in the He's going to know my name personally. I love it. He probably does already. <laughs> Russian President Vladimir Putin ordered a partial mobilization of reservists in Russia. And this measure uh, that appeared to be an admission that Moscow's war against Ukraine isn't going so great as Chuck Holton and others in CBN have highlighted. In a TV message, Putin warned that, that he isn't bluffing over using all the means at his disposal to protect Russia's territory. It seemed like a veiled reference to Russia's nuclear capability and the central bank raise its key short-term interest rate yesterday as the nation continues to grapple with soaring inflation. You can read the latest on that and more over at cbnnews.com. I don't know if you guys saw the poll, but it looks like it's still a top priority despite the media and a lot of other people on the Democratic side of the aisle focusing on issues such as Roe versus Wade. According to the polls, by far, inflation remains the top issue. What do you guys make of that? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, what you're bringing home, what you're making, we can fight about and debate about these other issues all day long, but that is the number one thing that people are going yeah. to vote on. Do I have enough money? Am I surviving? Can I make my car payment, my rent payment, my house payment? And when you have the market diving, you have all these things happening at the same time, that's going to be where the focus is. And that if I were a Democrat right now, that would be deeply concerning to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, the reality is, is that the inflation issue is the one that impacts us the most immediately and on a daily basis almost. I mean, even think the day that you go to the polling place, so what are you doing? You're getting in your car, you're putting gas in it, and you're driving to the polling place. So it's something that's on your mind right to the moment you're standing at the ballot box. So it's no surprise that this is going to be 
the top issue or at least one of the top issues going into the midterms. Yeah, there's some real pain out there. We'll see how it plays out. And of course, we'll continue reporting on that over at CBNNews.com and FaithWire.com. As I mentioned at the top, Kathy Lee Gifford, who's very outspoken about her faith. She often talks uh, very uh, eloquently and deeply about her faith on a lot of issues. And she is friends with Janice Dean, who is the Fox News weather person over there. And she has obviously feuded with former Governor Cuomo over the nursing home deaths. She lost two of her close relatives there. And so this is a big issue for her. But Billy, Kathy Lee offered some advice to Janice Dean that she maybe hadn't either thought of or just considered doing in this situation. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. It was a simple piece of advice, and it comes from the Christian message, and that was to pray for Cuomo. Pray that he comes to know Jesus. Kathy Lee Gifford was on her podcast, obviously, on Janice Dean's show, talking about these issues, but really gave a heartfelt response when she was asked, you know, how do I forgive? How do I move mm. forward? Um, she also said, quote, pray that he becomes a good practicing Catholic like you are, goes back to his church and, you know, believes in something bigger than himself. You know, her point was that he, you know, believes beyond himself, that it's not just about him. Um, but the thing that she really drove home was this idea about Jesus's forgiveness. If Jesus can forgive on the cross, you can forgive right now. It's yeah. a pretty powerful message. Yeah, well, how did Janice respond to that? Because it seemed, I mean, because I think we know that, that that is the message of Christ. We know that generally speaking. But when you're in a situation like Janice is in, it's not. It's much easier said than done. So how did she respond? Yeah, it's interesting because, of course, people are going to look at that and be like, oh, my gosh, you know, did Kathy Lee Gifford challenge her on her show? And that really wasn't at all what this was. Uh, Janice tweeted, um, you know, she said, look, Kathy Lee Gifford is a very good friend. I love her dearly. I asked her how I can forgive Cuomo. And and that's when she gave me her opinion, which came from a place of love and kindness. And here's the clincher. And this is for all of us to listen to. She went on to say her faith, meaning Kathy Lee Gifford's faith, says, be the first to forgive because that's what Jesus did. It was a beautiful moment. So it seems like it had a, a big impact on Janice. What kind of conversation was sparked uh, on this? Because I think that's a sticking point in American culture. A lot of Americans wrongly believe that forgiveness is a sign of weakness almost. I think people are responding in a variety of different ways. For Christians, the response really was embedded in something else that Kathy Lee said, and that was, you know, what happens when you don't forgive, right? We're called yeah. to forgive, we're called to do that, and Christians know that. We're sort of incentivized to not forgive in culture and to get revenge. Um, but she was talking about on the show, Kathy Lee, the Holocaust and other events and having family members who went through things and, you know, Holding on to that hate and that pain, even if you go through something awful, it's actually a disease that really weighs you down. And how can we, you know, expect God to forgive us if we don't forgive others? So the conversation really is surrounding that. Mm. And I think most most believers, right, even if you're being influenced by culture, you're going to come back to those basics of recognizing and understanding what we are called to, which is exactly what Kathy Lee was mentioning to Janice. Yeah. And I do think it is, it, that's the toughest part is when it's it's easy to say that and to preach that, but it is tough when you get to that spot. It's a, it's a tough road. It's a tough challenge to do that. It is. It is. You, you have to be willing to put yourself to the side. And that's what the entire gospel message is, right? You know, putting God first, dying to yourself. Forgiveness requires a death to yourself in a sense, because you're letting go of the anger that sometimes consumes us, that feels good to have in moments, unfortunately. And so you've really got to master that. And that's a tough thing for human beings to master. It really is. It's a good reminder to us all and a good story as Christians, you know, we need to be forgiven 
forgiving. I mean, that is one of the central tenets. It's what Christ forgave us. And so we need to do that to other people precisely because of that reason. All right, Billy, thanks for bringing us that. That leads us into our main thing for today. And there's a growing movement to expose what hospitals, oftentimes pediatric hospitals, are doing in regards to gender-affirming care, as they call it. Entire departments have been created in order to, quote-unquote, care for kids at a very early age. Sometimes that care ends up in irreversible top or bottom surgeries, essentially the mutilation of children's bodies, something that clearly goes against God's design and against what used to be basic self-evident truths of society. Well, the latest viral reporting comes from The Daily Wire and Matt Walsh, and now a whole bunch of information has been coming out. There's been responses, and we're going to go through it all on today's main thing. And Tregon's Phillips from CBN's Faithwire has been covering this today. Trey, what is going on here? Well, I think, first of all, you're exactly right, Dan, in calling it mutilation. We put all these fancy words around it, like a top and bottom surgery, and we call it a a vaginoplasty and a phalloplasty, Mm -hmm. or the uh, medical terminology for this. But it is irreversible damage uh, that's being done, particularly when we do this to kids. Uh, That should be alarming to all of us. So uh, Matt's investigation, which is uh, on online on Twitter, is where he first posted it. It's obviously gotten picked up in, in other places, but a lengthy Twitter thread. Uh, his investigation found that this transgender clinic at Vanderbilt University uh, in Nashville, which opened in 2018, the clinic, uh, is actually offering hormone therapies and puberty blockers to kids as young as 13 years old. Uh, so this is a, a clip reportedly that he found of that taking place. We can provide gender affirming hormones on an individual who is on a pubertal blocker, depending on whatever kind of blocker they've chosen or we have discussed with them, or they can present to us at a later stage of puberty and then we provide the gender affirming hormones. Previously, the endocrine society recommended to start these at age 16, but we all know that would be delayed puberty, right? Not 16 year olds don't start puberty. So more recently, they did update that to say as early as 14 for compelling reasons. So we have some individuals who have started gender affirming hormones at 13 or 14 to be more like their peers. Again, fertility preservation and consent are very important to discuss prior to any initiation. And he also found a clip of Dr. Ellen Clayton. She's a professor at Vanderbilt University. saying that there will be quote-unquote consequences uh, for objecting on religious grounds to doing these kinds of procedures. She made this comment uh, during a lecture, essentially. It's called a a medical round, uh, where she spoke with other clinicians at the hospital and explained to them that there are going to be disciplinary measures taken, essentially, if you do not pursue doing these procedures, if you don't participate in this kind of work, uh, simply because of your religious beliefs. So here's a part portion of what Clayton had to say. If you are going to assert conscientious objection, you have to realize that that is problematic. But I just want you to take home that saying that you're not going to do something because of your conscientious, because of your religious beliefs is not without consequences. And and it should not be without consequences. If you don't want to do this kind of work, don't work at Vanderbilt. You know, I think that Dan is is kind of uh, she's she's laying it all out, right? It's, if if you don't want to do this kind of work, uh, just don't work here at all. Essentially, she's taking away the freedom uh, that a doctor has to object to stuff, uh, which is ironic, uh, right? Yeah. Given given the position that she's I taking here. Man, I don't think I've heard Trey that that position taken from someone who's you know well 
educated on the legal ramifications and legal practices that go on in hospitals. This seems like a radical departure from from the norm. The arc kind of goes like this. Vanderbilt, there's an initial video where someone from the hospital talking about how they see um, revenue opportunity here. Then it goes into the one we just played there where, you know, at some time later, they talk about concerns that people might be having religious objections and what to do with those. And then once this department has come to fruition and it's initiated, they also had something called transgender buddies. And so they installed these people that are there to essentially they're like hall monitors that go in and actually they, they claim in the video, you know, doctors can be unsafe for trans people. They might use the wrong pronouns. So we're here to make sure everything's on the up and up. So they're there watching the staff closely and sort of hawking over them if the patient wants. So that's kind of the arc you have here. And then, as you said, Trey, when it's focused or at least including sometimes underage uh, kids who are not able to make their own medical decisions for themselves. It's become a lightning rod of sorts. Yeah, no, I think that's exactly right. Uh, calling it a lightning rod, I think, is true. And that's, that's again, why this post has gone so viral, because not only are they being open about what they're doing, about what they're saying, uh, not only is this obviously a deeply and gravely concerning issue, but then they're kind of bullying uh, these doctors, these clinicians on both sides, right? Because the administration is saying you can't conscientiously object without facing disciplinary consequences. And then on the other side, to ensure that that they're following those rules uh, there, as you mentioned, bringing in these trans buddies that are essentially just this shadow that's lurking over these doctors saying, yeah. hey, if you don't do this, then you're doing something wrong and you need to be removed. And by the way, something else that, that uh, Dr. Ellen Clayton mentioned is she said these people who come to this hospital, whether young or older, uh, are coming because they need this transgender care. It's something that is medically necessary. Those are words that she mm. used. They have to get this care. So if you are are declining to give them this care, you're essentially declining somebody's health, somebody's well-being, when obviously that's not the case, but that's the level that she's raising it to. Yeah, interesting. I mean, it's a clash of worldviews here on what is a need and, you know, compared to how we're, we're actually made and designed by God. So, Trey, I know Matt had tweeted later yesterday that he'd met with Tennessee Representative William Lambert and Senator Jack Johnson, and he said they're working on a bill to shut down Vanderbilt's child gender transition program and ban the practice in the state. Have any other officials spoken out on this? Have we heard from Tennessee government and maybe anything they might be doing? So obviously there, there's been the, the normal cast of responses on social media. Uh, so there have been obviously people on the left who see this yeah. as, look, you're endangering transgender people, which is a common talking point anytime this kind of stuff is exposed. Uh, then there are those who clearly see this as destructive to children in particular. And obviously we should note, Dan, that Vanderbilt is somewhat concerned about their responses because they've erased all hints mm. of this website uh, to the clinic ever having been on their website, wow. both to the original transgender clinic and to the pediatric transgender clinic. If you try to look it up, both sites will say that no website is found. Amazing. As far as official responses, though, uh, the Tennessee AG, he did release a statement late yesterday. He said, we are aware of allegations of illegal conduct at the clinic for transgender health at Vanderbilt University Medical Center. General Scrimetti will use the full scope of his authority to ensure compliance with Tennessee law. And that mm. statement came several hours after the governor of Texas, I mean, of uh, Tennessee, uh, had said that he also would like to see an investigation into Vanderbilt for this kind of mm. behavior. 
How are uh, how are faith leaders responding? Yeah, it's been interesting. Almost immediately, faith leaders, particularly Southern Baptist leaders, uh, jumped right on this, which makes sense because Brent Leatherwood, he's the president of the Ethics and Religious Liter- Liberty Commission. They're based right in Tennessee. So this is something that's in their backyard. Yeah. Uh, so he tweeted this right after Matt Walsh's Twitter thread. He said, steamrolling those individuals' convictions, talking about people who might be uh, you know, forced out of their job or face consequences for or uh, disagreeing with this. He said, especially when it involves children, should be a concern for every one of us. All of this is specifically why Christians must be ready, he said, at all times to proclaim the goodness of God's design for male and female. He referenced Genesis 127 uh, and how that design is meant for our flourishing. He ended his comment by saying, and let us be resolute that God alone is the Lord of the conscience. Mm. All right, Trey, thanks for the info on this story. We'll keep an eye on it. This is one that obviously is a flashpoint in today's culture and as Christians, one we obviously should deeply be concerned about for the reasons you just stated right there. So, all right, Trey, thanks so much for uh, the info on this one. All right, that leaves us with time for one last thing. And Gavin Newsom, governor of California, sparked some controversy by reaching out to other states to tell them they are welcome to come to California for an abortion. But why we want to talk about this now is because he used a Bible verse to call people in. Yeah, and he selectively used Mark 12, 31, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no greater commandment than these. That is the verse that is on two of these billboards in Mississippi and in Oklahoma, in two states, that message is on there. And so you've got this abortion message, you know, need an abortion, California. California is ready to help. And then you have the Bible verse under that. And there are a variety of reasons why it's problematic, but I don't know. Trey, what's your reaction to that? I don't know. I mean, I think (laughs) one, it's just preying on, I think, the ignorance of of a lot of people who just don't know scripture and and want to feel good about something and, you know, picking at, at a verse that's clearly being completely stripped from from its context. But I think the thing that I think of as a Christian is, man, we have a lot of responsibility in rightly dividing the word, which is what scripture says, right? So I think we'll be held accountable for this as a culture of, of pulling scripture out of context and applying it to something so despicable. And if your my reaction to this is, look, I get the sense, I don't know what Gavin Newsom's faith is. I get the sense here, call me crazy, that he's using this as he thinks it's a mic drop moment or it's a it's an owning the conservatives, owning the Christians. I if yeah. you're using scripture that way, I honestly I pray for Gavin Newsom. I pray for his soul because not a good idea to mock God. That's not going to end well for him if that's where his heart truly is. The other thing, let's just address this here. They're pulling a verse that is part of a broader conversation where you have leaders coming to Jesus and asking him, what are the most important commandments, right? And they're pulling a verse that's talking about the second commandment that Jesus is referencing, love God and love others. The first one, love God, love the Lord your God, you know, with all your heart. That is that is putting yourself to the side and putting God first. The second piece is loving others. But, you know, abortion as an issue doesn't quite accomplish the first one, right? right. Or really the second one. So it's just interesting to pull that out and selectively choose that in light of the context of what Jesus was talking about. Right, which leads me to believe he's doing it in a mocking fashion, which, again, I think is just a, not a good place for him to be standing. So so I'll pray for him. That's all we have time for today. Head on over to CBNnews.com, faithwire.com for more news from a Christian perspective. Lord willing, in that creek don't rise. We'll be back here with more tomorrow. God bless. See you then.